1: Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. When putting together your gear, wrap a piece of duct tape around your water bottle. It's barely noticeable, but if another piece of gear breaks or tears, pull off your tape to make a quick patch or repair. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com llbean L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider.
0: Write that. Write that down for me I write that down for me
1: <laughs> hi everyone welcome to write that down I'm your host Justin Nipper I'm editor at FightGameMedia.com. I'm staff writer at WrestlingObserver.com. I'm joined as always. With Japan's leading wrestling author, historian, broadcast journalist, wrestling sociologist, Mr. Fumi Saito. Okay, we are pausing our profile series on Giant Baba this week to talk about the life and times of Mr. Scott Hall, who recently left us. So, Fumi spent a lot of time with Scott Hall over the years, and also while Hall was in Japan in both the late 80s and early 2000s. And today, Fumi shares with us a lot of details, some of the finer details about Scott Hall's career, both while he was in Japan and before he arrived in Japan, training with Hiro Matsuda and other world champions before going pro all the way in the late 80s. So, please enjoy it. All the best to Hall's family. All the best to Hall's friends. There's no way around it. It sucks when somebody you love leaves us. So... Our Giant Baba series will wrap next week with part four. So please be on the lookout for that, where we'll talk about Baba after his death, the falling out, the All Japan split, Pro Wrestling Noah, Motoko Baba, Mitsuru Misawa. Lots of good stuff next week. Check that out. Also, if you haven't already subscribed to the Fight Game Media Network podcast feed on Spotify, on Apple, Stitcher, Downcast wherever you download your podcasts Please do it Because it helps us a ton Last thing I wanted to mention I put out a book this month It's called Stronger Than All It's a match guide to the first two years of New Strong strong New Japan World It is available right now On Amazon and Amazon Kindle Unlimited If you have that subscription service Check it out Alright Let's get into today's special edition episode Of Write That Down Scott Hall in Japan
0: like every couple of years from Florida to Georgia, Georgia to Alabama. So he was an army fan. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And a wrestling fan as a kid. And he had a very interesting childhood because every place you, he went, like, like I said, Florida, the Georgia, the Alabama, the Oklahoma, the uh, the, the Virginia, the, you know, Carolina, Baltimore, the, the Kansas City, Colorado, of all places, you know, that there were Different kind of wrestling. You know, he knew there was such thing as territory as a kid. Every time he moved, he was, oh, different kind of wrestling on TV. You know, and uh, he told me one time that, that he had all kinds of old wrestling video in his parents' house basement. He never threw it away. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was, like, a, he grew up as a wrestling fan, of course. Yeah.
1: But it seems like he had a little bit of an advantage uh, to, to to see or to be able to, to travel to, to travel and see what was going on around the country at the time because most people didn't have that it was it was a different setup than we have now well it's a different world yeah Back then it was born uh,
0: 1958 we grew up basically 70s you know so if you were if you grew up in the states uh, you
1: and you grew up in say New York you were you're watching WWF WWF that's it that's it and that, <laughs> yeah. and that's it but also it they would uh kind of market it like that's the only wrestling that there is in the world and you wouldn't know any better they because, want you to think it you know, yeah, in that way yeah it was uh that's how it was that was how it was in each territory
0: so yeah but he knew better. That advantage yeah 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 as a kid so different kind of wrestling and he spent high school year in, in munich germany and uh, there was wrestling that he attended you know in in Bremen, Hanover, Wien in Vienna, all that things. So it was not really, you know, hard for him to, you know, be like a a nomad wrestler as a rookie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was back in in Florida when he was like 20, 21. Then he was working as a bartender in, in Tampa, Florida. And I started, you know, you know, training to be a wrestler under Hiro Matsuda. Mm-hmm. Hiro Matsuda is a coach. Oh also a NWA junior heavyweight champion, Danny Hodge era, you know. And also was part of the the, the part owner of Championship le- Wrestling from Florida. It, under Eddie Graham, the Duke Omega, the, you know, the, the old-fashioned NWA territory. And Dusty Rhodes was a top talent. Anyhow, mm-hmm. that uh, Hiro Matsuda started, you know, training him. He, Matsuda only trains big guys. And just uh, big guy meaning that they're physically tall and big and built. They're ready to, you know, go. And all you need to do is just train him a certain amount of time, like six months. Then when he's ready, debut, right? Mm -hmm. Scott Hall was being trained under Hiro Matsuda's guidance, but they didn't have debut date. And one day he ran into Barry Wyndham at grocery store, mm-hmm. in Tampa, ba- you know, Barry Wyndham, or, or a top talent in Florida at the time. Then he he was told that uh, Barry Wyndham, okay, Dusty Rose at the time was quitting Florida and you know moved to North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, to be Booker and a top talent for N.W. hmm okay, and Barry Wyndham and brother-in-law Mike Rotondo. Father of um your
1: Bray Wyatt yeah bold Ellis
0: right right so it's like a it's like a the generation before them then that uh, Barry Wyndham and Mike Rotondo was going to move to you know Crockett territory with dusty, okay so you no know, it was like a very dying day of championship championship wrestling from Florida Scott Hall decided to. Go, go to North Carolina with them, you know, okay. to pack up. I mean, not knowing the real, you know, debut date or anything, but the, he, okay, I'm gone. I'm coming, I'm coming. And they, uh, he, he was kind of rookie, but wasn't working in the ring yet. But the, he decided to go with Barry Windham and Michael Latanza and move to North Carolina. Then actually met Dusty Rose. And uh, he Scott. when Scott Hall t- told me this story back in 1987, I believe, and he look, he's like goosebumps. I mean, in both arms by talking about this. That before he was actually trained to debut, there was like a lecture by Dusty Rose. Everything in this business is timing, timing, timing. You know, and uh, you have to be in at the right place at the right time. That that that, that really um, determines, you know, what you're gonna be and and how you're gonna do it. Anyhow. He was brought to North Carolina, not knowing the debut date. He was trained at the time by uh, Dusty Rose, and he was working out at the Ricky Steamboat's gym. And Ric Flair came, and he trained, you know, by Ric Flair too. And very interesting path, right? Mm. Trained under Hiro Matsuda, trained by Dusty Rose, an active Ric Flair at the time. Then. Dusty Rose decided to send young Scott Hall to central states, NWA central states, you know, the uh, Kansas City, Missouri, the, you know, the old Bob Geigle territory. The NWA Crockett promotion was buying these old territories, like NWA Florida, the NWA central states and all these things. And Dusty was in process of making NWA central states, Kansas City area as a farm league. Oh, and NWA. Are you following me? Mm. Yeah. So, this was going to be the 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 developmental AAA kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. That that was Dusty Rose's idea. So the rookie, Scott Hall, another rookie, Dan Syby, if you remember, the was sky sent sky. to Kansas. Uh, actually, it's American Eagle, American Starship. Yeah. Yeah, is Spivey, a little bit later on. But uh, he, young Scott Hall and young Dan Spivey was sent to, they were sent to Kansas City to form a tag team called American Starship. American Starship. They were big, two big guys, big, like 6'8". Right. Scott Hall was Coyote <laughs> and Dan Spivey was Eagle. Coyote and Eagle. It was Road Warrior era, you know, That ah. the two big... Much like, you know, young Sting, Steve Borden and young Ultimate Warrior, Jim Hellwig at the time, they were put together as tag team and, you know, they went to Tennessee to be another road warriors type, right? Mm. And, well, yeah, so it's like a road warrior era and the idea was to have these guys work in Central State area, NW Central State, you know, like Missouri, that. They're long enough that they can, you know, they're ready to come back to N.W. Crockett promotion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Scott Hall, young Scott Hall as Coyote, 26 years of age at the time. But Spivey actually was over 30. That, that He didn't start until, like, he was 30-something. and He was really um wanting to start making money right away. And lucky enough, That uh, Spivey was signed by WWE right away. If you remember, like, WrestleMania 2, like a big battle royal, Mm -hmm. the rookie Spivey's in it. Oh, wow. That's the one with
1: uh, the NFL players and Andre. (gasps) Yeah,
0: right, 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 right. So the American Starship tag team combination didn't really work out. And Scott Hall himself really hated the name Coyote anyway. Hmm. But the, he wasn't going back to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. He was discovered by N, Vern Gagne's AWA. This was around 1987, 1988?
1: 85.
0: 85. Yeah, yeah. 1985. because Yeah, because uh, AWA was still fighting this wrestling war, you know. It was weakened, uh, you know, by... You know, WWF, of course. You know that uh, AWA was a place where their top talent was, you know, you know, signed away by WWE, pretty much the most. You know, they AWA was taken. You know that uh, they took Hulk Hogan, Bobby the Brain, and Jesse Venter, Adrian Adonis, the Jim Brunzel, the you name it. All the mean in Auckland. You know, mm. I mean, so AWA was damaged the most. But he, you know, Vern Ganya and his people were still fighting. 1985, and Scott Hall, young Scott Hall, still rookie, still rookie, uh, was brought to, make, to create another Hulk Hogan-like wrestler, big babyface, and the, their mentality, you know, the Verne Gagne's, you know, Wally Cobble's mentality back then was like, well, the big young babyface are prima donnas, right? Mm-hmm. And we lost blonde, so we create another superstar in brunette. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The blonde one—they're talking about, of course, you know, the Hulk Hogan who left, you know, to go on to become the biggest, you know, superstar in the world. Vern Gagne pretty much discovered Scott Hall from Central, you know, that that you know, St. Louis, Missouri, and he was brought up to Minnesota to be next Hulk Hogan-like. And then and Scott Hall didn't think he was ready, and but the mentality up there was that. The, don't you want to be on TV? <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> so it's like they really felt that if you, you know, tell rookie that you be on TV every week, that they will mark out, you know, mark out on it. But uh, knowing that it was Scott Hall from right from the beginning, he was pretty smart, huh? Mm-hmm. That uh, he told Vern, Vern Gagne's people that no, he he is, you know, he wasn't ready to do this role. But anyhow, he started working. He was signed by WWE full time. He moved to Minnesota. And what happened was that that uh, he and young Kurt Henning, later on, Mr. Perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Young Kurt Henning and young Scott Hall made a tag team and won the AWA Tag Team title. That's right. Yeah, pretty good, huh? And all in all, he his, you know, that, uh, not the gimmick he was telling people, but uh, he thought it was his own, you know, like a very special gimmick was that. He was trained by seven former world heavyweight champions. Let's count. Dusty Rose, mm-hmm. Flair, trained by Harley Race in Pat Okana in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and Vern Gagne, Rick Mateo, Bakwenko. That's seven. That's seven. Yep. Yeah. Seven. He, yeah. He was trained by seven former world champions as a rookie. That's, that doesn't happen that often. Yeah, that's a good, uh, yeah. I mean, it's true. It's a good now, thing it's No lie, yeah. Met, you know, ran into Barry Windham at the grocery store, almost fluke, and moved to North Carolina, and then met Dusty Rose and trained under Dusty Rose and Ric Flair. And probably you could almost count Ricky Steamboat, too, because he was working out at the Ricky Steamboat's gym at the sure. time. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's like eight. That's eight. And yeah. in Missouri, St. Louis, he was trained under Harley Race and Pat O'Connor mm-hmm. and brought up to Minnesota awa area he was trained under Vern Gagne, rick Mato, and nick Bachwinkle. oh wow that's like but that means like everybody saw money written all over him mm-hmm. and he had the look yeah. too he had a he had a big look
1: and at that time that burt reynolds uh <laughs> magnum <laughs> right. pi
0: the, the big fake
1: mustache man. yeah yeah Right,
0: kind of, right. magnum ta had a, a sort of that look too he had that kind of right right aesthetic. yeah actually i don't around the same time and he hated the fact that the uh on, on awa tv uh, the commentator like real old, uh, lord james blair was calling him magnum Scut or something It's like please do not call me that <laughs> it's like, it's like, when you say magnum somebody else is already magnum magnum ta right in right. different territories it's like a, you don't want to be the second person to be using in the very same nickname that the, you are the fake one. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's like please don't be saying that on TV. Then he was really careful about the character building and development and how he wants to work and what he wants to represent meaning like a character and the taste of wrestling and what he does and how he wants to work very smart as a rookie. Anyhow, so he had pretty healthy two-year run with AWA. Didn't become AWA singles award, you know, champion, but uh, he met very important, you know, friend. You know, they, they meet again later on in his life that uh, that later on to become Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig. It was an interesting time that young Scott Hall and young Kurt Hennig traveled together in the same, you know, same car. Yeah and they became tag team champions rather green in the ring but they exchanged a lot of ideas and you know, you know came up with a lot of ideas and plans and a lot of things you can do they had a whole career ahead of them is that interesting they seem to have it more figured out
1: than their peers at the time
0: oh because they grew up as a wrestling fan mm-hmm. and scott hole really admired the fact that uh, uh, young Kurt Hennig was son of famous wrestler Larry Hennig, mm-hmm. and uh, had a different, you know, perspective in business. Because the uh, one, how you know, Scott Hall was like he grew up as a wrestling fan and was like a really reading oriented wrestling fan. Whereas Kurt Hennig, young Kurt Hennig, always watched business from inside. That didn't quite see as fans' perspective. So there's like a, they, you know, really, you know, you know, had a lot of conversation about you know, wrestling from different perspective. And uh, they both became superstars, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in, in the beginning of 1987, he finally came to Japan, third year in business. NFL
1: Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. So he was still working with, N- uh, excuse me, AWA at the time.
0: I think it was right after he either quit or fired or walked out, you know. that That's why he is not on AWA ESPN show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. AWA, you know, didn't give up fighting, you know, WWE or NWA, Crockett, and, and uh, Bergania basically signed a deal with you know, ESPN and and, uh, start taping those television uh, in in Las Vegas, showboard, right? Mm. But uh, he wasn't part of that. uh, So he must have quit sometime late 86 or the beginning of 87 then because Scott Hall's first trip to Japan, New Japan, was 1987, May. And within this, you know, 1987 timeframe, he already made – it doesn't happen in the rookie, you know, because if they like you, they'll bring you back, right? Mm-hmm. But like he had May tour, he had August tour, and he came back in not, November again. You know what I'm saying? So, so he, he felt that he, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and then he felt that uh, he could almost make you know like a full time and just go home and not take any bookings and rest and have another tour to Japan and make money and go home and rest and just, just stand handsome Bruce Abrodi style.
1: Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I mean he he kind of fit that um, archetype, you could say too. I mean he had the charisma and the size and the athleticism. Uh, he was definitely more athletic than most guys
0: that his that were his size that, especially that time. Yeah, at the time. At the time, yeah. Like I don't want to say, but it's like a, you know like a nineteen eighties kind of steroid era too, right? So, yeah. A lot of guys who are really, really on juice and big, you know, at the time. Anyhow, I'm not saying he was, but maybe he was. He was less stationary
1: than other wrestlers that were wrestling at the time. Right.
0: And the timing is everything, like Dusty Rhodes said, right? Mm-hmm. So he always had that in his mind. And very first trip to Japan between May in, in June of 1987, it, it was IWGP championship tournament, fifth annual IWGP tournament. That was the tour at the, the, the finale night, at the very end of the tour. The, that was a tour that IWGP became heavyweight championship.
1: Oh, wow. You know so what I'm saying? was there for the, the big match with Inoki and Hogan. No, Masa Saito. Oh, Masa Saito, okay. Yeah, he was brought yeah. in and tagging with Masa Saito,
0: wasn't he? No, um, no, no, it wasn't like that. He was rookie. See, that was uh, IW, the, the fifth annual. See, okay, 83, 84, Inoki Hogan, Inoki Hogan, okay? Mm-hmm. And 80, 83, 85, 86, Dick Murdoch and Andre the Giant. Inoki against Dick Murdoch, Inoki against Andre. And fifth annual, 1987, Inoki against Masa Saito was the final of the IWGP tournament. That, mm-hmm. 1987, that year alone, Inoki had maybe five single, important single match against Masa Saito. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that the one in that, Sumo Hall? Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the year, they had a, jungle, a famous jungle match. Yes. Yeah. Jungle death uh, match. Right. And June 12th, 1987, to be exact, the final night of IWGP tournament, Inoki beats Masa Saito one, two, three in the middle of the ring to win the tournament, then uh, it was announced, IWGP will become heavyweight championship. I mean, championship to be defended, right? Mm-hmm. And at that moment, Ricky Choshu jumped in the ring and call out, you know, Tatsumi Fujinami and Akira Maeda and other younger generation guys, let's challenge these guys and challenge establishment. Like Inoki, the Sakaguchi, the Masa Saito, the, you know, that was the beginning of new leader against now leader thing, the generation, you know, thing that they brought, you know, they, they, they bro- broke off every faction there was, but made it into senior wrestlers against younger generation wrestlers. Do you remember the, the, the storyline? No, let, let's uh, go over that a little okay. bit. Okay. There was a time, there's like, okay, up until that point in time, Inoki's New Japan babyface, right? An mm-hmm. American crew, Ricky Choshu and his guys, 15 of them, and UWF Akira Maeda, Nobihiko Takada, and his guys, 8 of them. So there was like a four different dressing room in New Japan backstage. Mm-hmm. Like a four different faction, right? At the end of that night, when Inoki beat Masa Saito to win that tournament, IWGP tournament, and also, you know, was crowned as the first iwgp heavyweight champion that moment ricky choshu jumped in the ring and grabbed the mic and said i'm not taking this and then just call out tatsumi fujinami from new japan side called out akira Maeda from uwf dressing room they all gathered in the ring and challenged senior wrestlers know, okida sakaguchi the Masa Saito, even you know who was in the ring already and, and fujiwara You know, that decided with senior guys, and they started this whole destroying the existing faction and created the two different new faction, older seniors and senior guys to a younger generation. Now, leaders against Japan English, a little bit, but uh, you know, like Japanese English. Mm -hmm. Now, leaders against new leaders. So it's like a generation battle thing, and it's uh, the whole new storyline started right at the end of the night. That was a big thing. Anyhow, that the Scott, young Scott Hall was watching this whole thing, the whole angle from like, um, from the ramp. Ramp meaning it. See, do you remember Sumo Hall? You know that the Ryogoku know, Sumo Palace. Actually, there's a four different ramp entrances. Mm-hmm. You know, in the four different like a square, but in with wrestling show they only use two ramps. You know, red corner and blue corner, the baby facing heels. Yeah, that, that two ramps. There's a like a two other ramp diagonal that, that, that where they didn't use, and then they blocked off with curtain and something. That's where young Scott Hall was standing, witnessing the whole angle. That this is this is the best seat in house, right? Hmm. Young Scott Hall witnessed this whole storyline and understood the whole thing without really understanding the Japanese language. You know, it's funny because he would end up doing
1: and becoming kind NWO. of... NWO. Forefront of the NWO, a very similar idea to... to the,
0: probably more, this is where he got the idea. Initially. A lot
1: more similar. A lot of people uh, compare it to, uh, that idea to the
0: UWF and... Uh, New, Japan. New Japan. I mean, oh, there ten were years couple... later. But the original one was this uh, 1987 idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. Been, in uh, the yeah. middle of the ring, Riki Choshu and Fujinami and Akira Maeda shook hands in the middle of the ring, challenged Inoki and his, his establishment. Mm-hmm. Very exciting angle, and some uh, just something just just ring his, his bell in, in in Scott Hall's you know head. Very interesting. He watched the whole thing and understood. Aha! Right, aha moment. Yeah, you got to be there that to, was, to absorb it. Yeah, and uh, the the American wrestlers who you know who came the the, the came with Scott Hall this trip IWGP tournament in 1987 was Scott Hall was in it, uh, Kevin Von Erick was in it, Konga the Barbarian was in it old Alexis Smirnov was in it, Killer Brox was in it, England's Tony St. Clair was in it, and, uh, but the top here was pretty much Ricky Choshu and Masa Saito, and Masa Inoki, yeah, sure thing that that was, a, you know, that the final of the tournament, but he, young Scott Ho, first trip to Japan, he really studied how they do business in Japan. Mm-hmm. And the second trip was August summer. You know, he came to Japan with like, people like Doc Dick Murdoch and Young, um, Oren Hart. You know, Angel Death from Dallas, the, the Cuban Assassin, uh, that uh, Dave she- in from Florida, and that was the summer deal. And w- w- interesting trip was the third trip, that that Japan Cup, tag team tournament November tour tour. He was Scott Hall was at at Korakuen Hall when Akira Maeda kicked Ricky Choshu's face, the famous one. Oh, wow. He was there. He was there from, like, uh, 20 years away, from, you know? Wow. Yeah, because, you know, that he he was, like, uh, you know, having, like, a work, you know, fourth match, fifth match or something. Mm-hmm. And before he takes shower, he goes back to the ramp and watch the rest of the show, you know, all the Japanese top talents, you know? and he was right there when, when in the six-man during the six-man tag team Riki Chōshu's team, uh, or uh, Riki Chōshu masa saito and Hiro Saito, and the other team was Akira Maeda Nobuhiko Takada and Osamu Kido, and it was a six-man tag team against that uh, between Riki Chōshu's group against UWF. Anyhow, when. Uh, Ricky Chau, he uh, put, uh, was putting his famous Scorpion Deathlock on on Kido, I believe. Akira Maeda come in, and just kicks uh, Maeda's face. And then the big brawl starts, right? Mm. And Scott Hall thought it was a big angle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And whoa, and he wanted to see, you know, what, what's going to be the next step for the storyline. Then found out it wasn't a storyline. Interesting, huh? And uh, Something that can happen. But the, he witnessed the IWGP tournament thing and the new leader, now leader thing. In, in, I mean, in his own eyes, he he even witnessed Ricky Choshu, Akira Maeda's the, 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 the shoot occur- in occurrence, that, that he was there. Very interesting, right? Uh, it's interesting because
1: when you think of modern wrestling in the States, you think of that. That doesn't they, happen. It doesn't happen, but that idea of um, something that's more like reality, more realistic, more, it's not just in its own world. That idea over here, Or silly storyline. Yeah, him and later Kevin Nash and the NWO, that's probably the earliest, and we can probably say DX too, the the idea of the the cool anti-heat, yeah. That kind of, uh, I mean, it's still in wrestling today.
0: Yeah, well, that's you insane. can feel involved that uh, people feel involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. That's, that's a very good point, yeah. And uh, 1987, 1988, and he didn't come back in 89, but uh, he made another trip in, in 1990. And, uh, yeah, he became regular. Oh, in addition to that, that the November 87 Tag Team Tournament, Young Scott Hall's tag team partner was Seiji Sakaguchi. So it was like a Hulk Hogan path that the first Japanese wrestler, younger Hulk Hogan uh, tagged, you know, as a tag team was Seiji Sakaguchi, you know, Anthony Inoki's lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And uh, that year's tag team tournament, that the pairing was Scott Hall and Seiji Sakaguchi. So it was like it was obvious that. He had, he made three trips in his first year and he already made a tag team with Seiji Sakaguchi to be in Japanese side. And he's just like, obviously it was like, they were in process of creating another Hulk Hogan type. Mm -hmm. So NWA Crockett, Dusty Rose had idea, same way. Vern Gagne had the same idea. Like, oh, we can make another Hulk Hogan out of him and new Japan. I had the same idea. We can make another Hulk Hogan out of him, right? Isn't that interesting? It's
1: interesting based on how his career ended up because he didn't end up quite like that.
0: But it doesn't mean he's any less important, right? Right, right, right. Because he was external. The force was because the idea came from seniors. Idea came from not from how Scott Hall wanted, but uh, a lot of people wanted to make plans for him because he was look at him just big good you know good looking athlete you know and he was natural babyface like you know person then you know mm-hmm. and uh yeah through new japan uh through new japan's deal that uh, he made a trip and at the end of 1988 uh to austria and in germany you know where fall to winter Arovans had had this you know tournament in vienna the hanover the uh bremen uh, you know the, the old-fashioned european wrestling tournament and w- the, he was sent by through through new japan and out of made him you know texas scott, texas That's scott. New England. Hmm. yeah yeah so scott hall who oh, was made to coyote the american starship and uh everyone wanted to make him Magnum Scott or something, and Otto Wands in, in Austria, uh, Germany, wanted to name him Texas Scott. Anyhow, that, that, through New Japan's booking, um, he took this trip to Europe, and uh, he traveled with his later on founder of Pancras, Young Masakatsu Funaki. Mm. Very interesting path. And uh, at the time, for the new newer listeners, you know, the, if, if, if you know the, they don't know that the European tour is like you work in the same house, same like a circus tent, in the same building for like a 30 days in a row, like a much like a small wrestling tournament. You know, the wrestlers would be you know staying in a camping car at the Winnebago or you know those you know like a like a basically like a <laughs> trailer park almost, right? That the wrestlers were living there. And Scott's you know, trailer and Masakatsu Funaki's trailer. Right next to Scott was Young Owen Hart and Martha's truck. Mm. Very interesting, yeah. So the all these Scott Hall, Owen Hart, and Masakatsu Funaki and like a, right next to each other working, you know, in Europe and how different path they took. You know, this is, that's why wrestling is really interesting. You know, that if you learn the history of them. It's
1: special because uh, who'd have thought all those those three at the same time in the same place?
0: Eh. Yeah, and then not just a day or two, but like a th- six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and uh, so he um that was when he was Texas Scott and also Masakatsu Funaki, young Masakatsu Funaki, before he joined UWF, he and Scott Hall trained on the Koppo thing, you know the you know Japanese martial arts Koppo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so he 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 made Japanese magazine at the time. It's like whoa, Scott Hall is training Koppo martial arts there in, in in Europe. Was was That was interesting. It's just just a little you know, additional item. Anyhow, that uh, so he spent uh, next few months in Europe. Then he went to Puerto Rico a little bit. Then they didn't didn't come back to Japan in 89. 89. But he did come back with uh, the nineteen ninety spring tour big fight series. At the time it was the bam bam Bigelow was on top. It was another wrestler called Punisher Dice Morgan. Mm. Punisher Dice Morgan, who will be The Undertaker That's after right. you know, a year later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nord the Barbarian, the John Nord later on became Barzaka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also Mike Kirshner was in it. Carson, it was yeah. interesting. Yeah, all kinds of people with different identity, different name, or the different time, you know, different period of their wrestling career, except you know, respectively. And uh, so he came back in 1990. And that was pretty much the last tour for that time period because he was signed with, with, uh, with WCW full-time. And around the time period that the Scott... Uh, Scott Hall was telling me in Japan that uh, he had a couple of different ideas that uh, he wanted to be uh, to have his new ring name um, uh, Scott Storm. Scott you know, storm. storm like a storm like you know, like a rainstorm, the typhoon, that, mm-hmm. the hu- hurricane storm, uh, with like this, you know, like a tornado, like you know, that uh, illustration on the, on the that, uh, ring ring boots. And he had this uh, his idea of his costume that he wanted to have matching uh, matching color trunks, knee pads, and ring boots all together. When it's purple tights, purple knee pads, and purple ring boots. When it's red, red trunks, r- matching red knee, knee pads, and matching red uh, boots. When it's green, green, green. When it's yellow, 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 black, black, black. Or even the white, 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 you know, that was, the, he was calling it like a Ric Flair idea. You know, you know, Ric Flair always had matching color, you know, red trunks, red knee pads, and red ring boots. When it's black, 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 not so much, but uh, purple, 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 blue, blue, blue. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Matching yeah. short trunks, matching knee pads, and matching ring boots. That's why Ric Rick Flair's um, suitcase is so big all the time, you know, traveling. And that's exactly how he wanted to dress. Matching short trunks, matching double, you know, knee pad, and matching color ring boots, uh, like a high-maintenance, you know, ring attire. And that's exactly what he did with Razor Ramon later on. So all in all, so Scott Hall had this idea of becoming, you know, Scott Storm was this, you know, Typhoon Storm, you know, that the right, you know, drawing on the on, on ring boots, all three matching color, short trunks, knee pads, and ring boots, much like Ric Flair's. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what, you know, what he did uh, was Razor Ramon later on. Matching color vest too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that the idea later, you know, he was able to really make it, you know, uh, you know, into this Razor Ramon costume thing. But at the time, he was playing with the idea of Texas, uh, not the Texas Scott, but uh, Scott Storm. But it didn't work out that way because he was playing with the idea. The reason he is not what he should be at the time. Because everybody was telling him that, that he was going to be wrestling, you know, world heavyweight champion in maybe like a year or two, right? Mm-hmm. It, and then uh, American Starship thing didn't work, or he didn't really like it. He didn't go back to North Carolina, but he went up to AWA because they thought he would, you know, they can make Hulk Hogan album, right? Then he went to Japan, he went to Europe, he went to Puerto Rico, and he's been playing with the idea that he should be big time heel and work heel and get over as heel then turn baby face and you even get over bigger how's that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that was the idea so it's like a complete 100 baby face people were not in it you know not into it you know and uh, he thought that uh, all these people look at rick flair or dusty rose or oh, more more mobile flair then that uh, basically a heel and You turn babyface, but you still work like heel, and the people will turn you babyface, and you're even over bigger. Mm. Well, think about like a Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold basically was heel, but he got over so big that they had to turn him babyface, but still worked like heel in the ring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so working heel for a period of, of time and get over big as heel then you turn you you're even over bigger and that was the idea he was playing with then he came up with the idea uh after he signed with wcw it was diamond stud
1: if you remember oh yeah oh yeah yeah
0: diamond stud was manager ddp yeah yeah right and uh, that was exactly the prototype of what would later on become razor ramon yeah Yeah, like uh, he dyed his hair real dark, you know, like black hair. And, uh, well, it wasn't exactly Cuban, you know, like a fake Spanish accent and stuff like that yet. But the the idea was there. idea was there. Then he was signed with WWE in 1992 and really became Razor Ramon. Mm -hmm. And between 96 and, you know, 98 to all the way to 2000, other people can talk about it. We don't have to do this in our podcast, you know. Mm. With this Razor Ramon, that the uh, the click, the that uh, WrestleMania 10 ladder match against Shawn Michaels, that the uh, Madison Square Garden, the Carton Call, the Invasion, that uh, Nitro, the Nitro, that the Monday Night War to NWO to all the way. Everybody knows about it, right? Actually, um. We, we got to fast forward about about eight nine years. There, that uh, 2001, he finally came back to Japan. Well, actually, I'll take it back. 1997, he made one trip mm-hmm. to Fukuoka, uh, the Osaka Dome, uh, New Japan's big, you know, baseball dome. Show that uh, Kevin Nash, then six, Sean Wattman, not even expat, but he was six. Mm-hmm. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and six made you know that uh, guest appearance in New Japan in 1997, May 3rd to be exact, the Osaka Dome. That was a trip, but it was like NWO era that uh, it wasn't really your, you know, Scott Hall saga in Japan because it was a part of the NW, you know, part of the WCW NWO, you know, storyline, and he was such a guest and came in one one match, left, but it wasn't much of it but uh right after wcw was purchased by wwe he on his own pretty much decided to come to japan in 2001 year 2001 in 2000 oh my gosh it's like already 19 years ago huh
1: Mm,
0: yeah yeah i'm talking about like just like yesterday or something but uh, 2001 so come to think about if it's if it was 19 years ago. He was like 42. Yeah. Yeah. He was like a 42. And he really thought he had, uh, you know, he has another run in Japan. Mm -hmm. In 2001, he made four trips in one year in Japan. And he was so happy to come back to this Kyo Plaza Hotel, you know, and, uh, he was a student, you know, such a student of the business that he's, he really studied the landscape of, you know, Japanese wrestling. 2001, technically Keiji Muto was still under New Japan contract but never worked New Japan dates. Instead, he was taking all Japan schedules, you know. Mm-hmm. And later on, you know, eventually 2002, he really, really, you know, quit for real. He quit New Japan for Rio and signed with All Japan and become president of All Japan Pro Wrestling in 2002. That was Ke- Keiji Muto's story. But he quick, you know, Scott Hall quickly studied the landscape of, you know, Japanese wrestling at the time. So, why isn't Muto working any New Japan dates and taking all the uh, All Japan dates? Is New Japan and All Japan already merged they, and they're not, you know, just not telling about it? And it was in okay, it's it's all in the book Gambaru that you just did, uh, additional, you know, special bonus uh, a, 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 a edition of this podcast with um, yeah, the with author. Dr. Jonathan, boy, yeah, Jonathan, yeah, it's on the page that was uh, yep, right, right. That's uh, the that's exactly the period of the, you know the time we're talking about that the under Keijimoto under contracts in New Japan working all Japan dates New Japan is trying to buy Motoko Motoko Baba's version of AEW at uh, the old uh, Japan because it was right after Misawa his, his, his all his guys left the company and formed Progressing Noah and all these things and that was the time. Scott hall came into new japan and really really you know like, or just he watched all these current you know current video at the time that he studied people like tenzan kojima the manabu nakanishi that the that the Kendo kashin the oh you know all these people he knew all these wrestlers because he studied the tape and i wanted to have program and oh, what was interesting september 2001, he, Scott Hall, ran his own angle in Japan. There was a single match. Yeah, there was a single match between Scott Hall against then Young Lion rookie Hiroshi Tanahashi. Mm -hmm. Hiroshi Tanahashi pinned Scott Hall, much like Scott Hall, but Young wanted to trick it over. Interesting, huh?
1: Very similar and Look how Hiroshi Tanahashi turned out. I think he had a oh, good, oh
0: my gosh, yeah, good eye,
1: um,
0: eye for talent. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to get to. That the Scott Hall came in, and he was so happy to come back to Kyoto Plaza Hotel. He walked around, you know, and then Keo Plaza Hotel in, in, in Shinjuku area is where, like, under the Giant, the Hulk Hogan, Dick Murdoch, all these people. We're staying and walked around the northern neighborhood, and one, you know, Scott Hall wanted to go to that famous old chicken chicken place. <laughs> they call it chicken place. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's just in. Yakitori Place. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Chicken yeah. place, I yeah. see. Yeah, they call it chicken place, but basically Yakitori House, the bar and grill. And when he goes in there, <clears throat> and right, you know, just two blocks from Keo Plaza Hotel in Shinjuku, it's like, Was there a college here? I said how he remembered the neighborhood. Was there a big post office like this before? (laughs) You know, but the chicken places are still here. He sat and ordered edamame. What's edamame in English? Edamame. Yeah, that green bean
1: thing. I think I think it's uh, same as sushi. So a lot of foods I don't think they translate. Just uh, like a okay, all right, the green
0: pea pods kind of thing, you know. Um... Bean, uh,
1: uh, what's it like? I think most people probably listening are familiar with edamame, but if you okay, edamame
0: and uh, chicken karage, that, uh, that the deep fried karage, and then yeah, like also yakitori, with, chicken. yeah, and then also yakitori on stick with mm-hmm. this that uh, yakitori sauce, kind of rather sweet almost. Mm-hmm. And he had this spinach salad, not the spinach salad like Italian, but the spinach salad in Japan is like your steamed. Spinach, mm-hmm. and uh, fish flake on, on top of it, and he ordered okimizu, <laughs> which I, is you translate. I was gonna ask you yeah, how do you explain that one. I don't know okimizu.
1: Exactly. Yeah, but <clears throat>
0: okimizu is like a big, big glass of
1: water. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were talking about. Okay, excuse me. I thought you were talking about that. um The after dinner. uh which
0: is okay. Oh, no, no. Oh, okay, right. That, no, he, uh, 2001 version of Sky okay, Hole was he's... not drinking any alcohol.
1: Right. So he Oki <laughs> Okimizu. Okay, not. I was, Okimizu.
0: I was hearing was like a big, <laughs> big, big water. Big, you know, this beer mug full of water with ice cube in it. Mm. Okimizu. There was no such thing at, the, at this bar, you know, as Okimizu. But Under the Giant, and Dick Murda created that. You know, like, there was no such thing. Like, what are you ordering, right? That's, when they when they don't want to, you know, drink beer anymore. It's like, may I have big water, right? It's like, sumimasen, okimizu, kudasai, or something like that. You know, and uh, yeah, then they uh, that the owner of the bar created the menu. It's like, right, okimizu, right out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow. And uh, yeah, big mizu, yeah, was big created. water. So yeah. <clears throat> yeah, big water. And uh, he actually started really enjoying this, you know, tour life of Japan, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he was ready to have one more run in Japan, 2001, you know, and he made two, four trips and had an important single match against a lot of guys, and also he himself discovered young young talent, young lion, Hiroshi Tanahashi, interesting, huh? Just mm-hmm. as soon as he saw Tanahashi, he's like, that guy's money. Mm-hmm. Is what he was saying. That guy's money? It's like, yeah, that guy's money. You'll watch. And he's just, good eyes, huh? I mean, I this so. is not that I think I might talk about it. It's like I get goosebumps too. But uh he made four trips to Japan. He was already having a 1002 game. WWE started calling, and uh WrestleMania of that year was. Hulk Hogan against The Rock and the NWO, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall made return to WWE. So he, that was the last time he came to Japan. No, it wasn't the last time. I'll take it back because Nash and Hall made two trips in Hustle Show. Hustle. Oh, The Dark Age. Your favorite. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, try to forget. Right. You know, I don't count or something. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, yeah. They came in because, you know. Hustle had money, you know, so they were able to bring in people like Goldberg, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Mick Foley, and all these things, right? Or superstars with money. But uh, I don't count as his, I mean, real tour. 2001, 42-year-old Scott Hall came back to Japan, great attitude, clean, no alcohol, nothing. He just wanted to have one more run. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so uh, that was the time that... Uh, I was able to sit down with him and, and, and talk wrestling.
1: Yeah. Which one of those tours was his match with uh, Muto for the Triple Crown?
0: I don't remember him really having Triple Crown title match. Was there such?
1: Yeah. yeah he had a match with uh, Keiji Muto 2001.
0: Okay. Then that would be the end third tour then. Yeah, I think it was God, November. my memory is sometimes good, sometimes bad, huh? It's late. It was, it was I don't... late November. Late November. Right. So that was or... his. That was his last trip with 20, New Japan. 10. That time. At the time, twenty-one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And also, it was odd that the Triple Crown was all Japan's championship belt. Right. All three belts. That's right. But the Muto was holding that title, New Japan wrestler at the time. He came back to New Japan's big show and defended all Japan's title. In New Japan ring. Very confusing time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at, at, at the end of the, you know, 2001, Muto had already made up his mind that the company, this New Japan company ain't buying all Japan. I'm going there on, 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 on his own. And he, at the end of 2001, Keiji Muto quit New Japan for real and signed with all Japan. Uh, that, that it was not in New Japan executives' game plan which was interesting. But again, how, uh, the, again, Scott Hall witnessed this all uh, political moves, you know, from the backstage. Very interesting. Mm. He witnessed yeah. a lot. And made into his own idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that the new leader, now leader thing, you know, all, the younger generation, Ricky Choshi Fujinami, uh, Akira Maeda against establishment, you know, that the Inoki Sakaguchi and Masa Saito Fujiwara Broke off all the fact, you know, existing faction. Made a whole new, brand new storyline and, and the whole. Just, that's how you run angle, right? And uh, also witnessed Maida's infamous kick to the Ricky Choshy's face from the backstage or the ramp. And uh, interesting place is in that he was standing, that the, that the, he witnessed and processed and made into his idea. It's, that's mm. I think what I'm trying to get to.
1: Yeah, I think of all the people between wrestlers and promoters and bookers, I think I think Scott Hall was the best at translating those like invasion angle vibes into pro wrestling and America put it into and practice and, and make it work because there are little nuances that you just you need to understand. You need to understand right, the nuance, crowds, right? And you need to understand um, certain thing. You, the general idea will work, but it has to be. You gotta be a little delicate with it. You gotta be precise. And you gotta know what the crowd is, or know how the crowd's gonna react. It's going to react re- uh, differently in Japan as it would in the states, especially back then.
0: Right, right, so right, right. But but what works with boys would work with crowd, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You because know, sure, boys has to feel involved. You know, because you have have to actually believe in what you're doing, not just lame angle and lame storyline. If you are really involved, that the people will be involved in and become so believable right Mm -hmm. and uh what scott hall probably didn't realize or didn't notice himself was that my image of scott hall 1987 1988 image of like a almost naive rookie scott hall to 1990 1991 diamond stud Scott Hall and that uh, Razor Ramon Scott Hall into Nitro version of Scott Hall after Razor Ramon, of course. Outsiders. These, yeah, these were almost three different persons in my eyes that this wrestling character of Razor Ramon and Outsider Scott Hall, he really was liked in person later on mm-hmm. as if the wrestling character personality really took over his, you know uh his life i should say or like really really took over because he was like that uh, in his hotel room mm. you know what i'm saying
1: mm. it wasn't yeah. too far away from who he really was when he was in the ring
0: or he turned himself into or his character turned him into that person and uh yeah <clears throat> the outsider nwo scar hall and the Scott hall i saw him you know at a hotel or, or, or went out to eat or something wasn't all that much difference anymore hmm. yeah uh, that kind of scared me you know that uh, this wrestling character or wrestling gimmick or whatever that can really take over your personality or something. Hmm. Not just Scott Hall, but uh, it happens to a lot of wrestlers that uh, they start believing in your own character so much that the, you, or, or by doing this 24-7 for so many years, you don't know any other way, you know?
1: I think you could say, I think it's fair to say you could say that about Antonio Inoki.
0: Of course, of course, 24/7, Anthony Noki, yeah, and 24/7 Hulk Hogan, 24/7 mm-hmm. Vince McMahon, for that matter. Yes, yeah, yeah. but uh, no, it changed for good and bad. I'm, so, I'm telling you, uh, wrestling character and personality really can take over you, is what I'm saying. And I guess they allow themselves to be that way because you know you kind of you know almost don't remember how you were. 15 years ago hmm. or just don't want to be like that. Cause the naive yourself, you know, naive version of yourself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I have to really, uh, add that, um, Scott Hall is so widely misunderstood, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much. So, uh, he was very nice guy mm-hmm. doing bad guy. You know right yeah so uh, he's been misunderstood and all these things like you know c- chemical dependency and uh, drug problems and uh, rehab in and out and uh, legal problem the, all these things that uh, those are the elements that people focus so much on right mm-hmm. when you talk about razor scott hall that's just about the only thing they they talk about and That's why I wanted to have this podcast with you today, that uh, I think we were able to cover the area that most people don't. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it seems
1: like his time and experience in Japan really helped shape who he became in the States and throughout the rest of his career.
0: Yeah, yeah. And also he might have been the last generation of professional wrestler who knew the territories you know like there was territories in america there's like a, so many different territories in different com- you know country you know companies and different promoters that uh, from Florida to Crockett to vangani awa to you know the pretty much had a you know major <clears throat> major promotion run. He experienced Japan and uh, he experienced out you know european wrestling and that the tour method and the way they live. And he spent six months or so in Puerto Rico. And uh, then he you know, came back to Japan, then went to WCW and became Diamond Stud. And that was his idea. And Diamond Stud became Razor Ramon with blessing of WWE production, of course, and, and, and Vince McMahon. And uh, he got so famous as Razor Ramon. I think he, that's when he bec- really became Razor Ramon. Mm. Yeah. And you know the rest of the story. Sure, and a lot
1: of other <clears throat> fellow podcasters and journalists are going to be telling the story. This we'll week. be
0: covering that area. Yes, yes, but, but uh, uh, I think we were able to share more Scott Hall than than the most. Yeah. I, I think I mean for me,
1: what I'm learning is that Scott Hall had such a, a wide and unique perspective or point of view based on his experience in, and based on in what professional he did. wrestling. Yeah, and just looking at it from his experience in Japan, I mean, he got to work in two very different eras, which not—I don't think many wrestlers, especially these days, right? He, I'm talking about the the I, the Showa era, that the pre uh, All Japan breakup or split era, and post right, All Japan right.
0: breakup. And era. Inoki, Antonio Inoki, was still active mm-hmm. on top. Yeah. But and uh, so Ricky Choshu and and, and Maeda Fujinami on, on, on their prime, but the landscape shifted a lot, so he got to see how
1: everything looked over in Japan again, and and things were uh, still unsettled in the states as well. At two thousand one, two thousand two, it wasn't it. It was still an adjustment period. Yeah. So I think that his perspective and and what he had to say is definitely um. Is more than worth listening to, in addition yeah. to just having a, a fantastic career as a wrestler in the ring. Lots of great, yeah,
0: you know, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I wish I saw him one more time. Mm. You know, it was some years back. The photo I sent you, you know, uh, in, in the big hotel suite that mm-hmm. uh, Scott Hall and sean Waltman and, you know, and I and their friends in, in the same hotel room. We spent, you know good very you know nice weekend together so yeah yeah god there bless him one uh
1: special memory i have of him and it's it's unique because it was the first time he ever showed up in ecw and it was actually ah. in town in schenectady new york in a soccer soccer rink or a soccer or like it's called the center city it was
0: downtown uh, okay city. okay
1: uh, the rumor all night was that Scott Hall was going to show up. I think it was it was around 2001. It was around November. It was around the time of that Kojimuto match, actually. Probably. Okay. Okay. I, it might have been a year before that. Might have been 2000. I could be wrong, but anyway. Right. Right after. Right after he quit WCW, then. Yeah, it might, I think it was closer to that, and. Uh, right. Tommy Dreamer got injured in the main event and said his his mystery partner was too sweet and long story short. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one thing is, is this wasn't a TV taping. This was a house show. And in my mind, I had, I was so uh, dubious about this. I did not think Scott Hall was going to be there. It was just kind of a ridiculous thing to think about. Like, no, he wouldn't show up here. And then there's, there's no way that would happen. But lo and behold, I was completely wrong. He showed up in the main event tag with Jerry Lynn against uh, uh, Rhino and Just Incredible. In the kind of, like, ah, impromptu okay. ECW uh, main event. He was so uh, he's so much bigger than most of the people that were on the roster at the time. He looked like a giant in the ring. Right. Big Tall, guy. So much taller. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. surreal. I mean, the, the place just didn't know what to do. The place, it was, you know. The real Scott Hall showed people. up. Yeah, it really was him. And it re- you could really tell. He had that charisma. He had that presence about him,
0: too. And also, when he had, you know, the night he has a good attitude, he works, you know, he works and show, you know, give you a lot of, I mean, like a, a match, you know? Mm-hmm. Not just mm-hmm. show up and do a few things,
1: but uh, no, give you was, the match. I mean, it was, a, it was packed for a small venue. I don't think it was any more than 2,000 people in the venue, but, I mean, he was working it like he was in, you know. Was, yeah, but he
0: would show up, you know, like yeah. Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman and Scott Hall goes back a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a, a real useless trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Please. it was a, again back in 83, I believe, 83 or 4 not even 84, then 83. Then Paul Heyman came down to uh, Tampa, Florida uh, to become a wrestler. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, not a wrestler, but the, he wanted to get into business, you know, he wanted to be a manager. But uh, they don't hire a manager, you know. They'll they want tr- you know they'll train you like wrestler, you know. And then, uh, they don't want you, want you to be in business because you know they'll they'll be real you know beat you up at, at the practice and uh, you know so you'll give up and go home, right? Mm-hmm. And Paul Heyman's first day at the practice Tampa Sportatorium, he was you know put in the ring with then rookie Scott Hall, mm-hmm. and Scott Hall tossed. Paul Heyman, into the rope, he comes back and Scott Hall gave Paul Heyman, young Paul Heyman and young Scott Hall, of course, Scott Hall gave Paul Heyman big power slam and people thought he was dead. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting, huh? That's a good story. Yeah, so that's how long they go back, you know, Hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of people are connected somewhere, you know. Yeah. Especially him. Especially him. Yeah. Yeah. So the wrestler being nomad and uh, make friends wherever they went, you know, it's a real good, you know, like uh, most, almost cultural anthropology there.
1: A little bit too. And, and just as a wrestler, I think there are not many wrestlers like him and with his size or athleticism that, you know, he was a big guy. Like I said, like seeing him up close was, you know, he's a big dude, but he never. Oh, real big. But he never really, he never wrestled like a giant. He wrestled with whomever. He wrestled with smaller guys or, or bigger guys, and it never mm-hmm, seemed mm-hmm. Um, out of place or awkward where some of the wrestlers, you could say that. I mean, they just, mm-hmm. they could only work with one More type. More Ric Flair, cl- uh, yeah, school wrestling. Sure. Yeah, he, he kind of, he blend in and, and have great matches and, and really are interesting or creative matches too. remember the ladder matches he had with Shawn Michaels. Of course. Of course, yeah. we could go on and on about the, the things he did, uh, you know, in WWF. During that time period, CD, yeah. Yeah, there's tons. When he so. was
0: a real big initial in period, the way he was real big
1: star. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff we talked about today, I think it, it came, what we saw in the 90s came from out of the 80s and the early 90s in Japan. His, exp- own, his own personal ex- experience. Yeah. Yeah. That plus his experience in Europe and his experience coming uh, to, before WCW. The, uh, yeah, live so fully territory yep. days. So,
0: hmm, hmm. Very good. So, did I think we, uh, we covered did we miss anything
1: did we do. We get, do we do it?
0: Well, I don't know. Uh, if we did, we'll add some more stuff for next, next episode, sure. or so ask we'll us questions on social giant media. Babas. Yeah, and also, we had to do Skyhole special edition, you know, we had to, this yeah, week. but uh, we are going to come back with final episode of giant baba series, yep, right next week. Next week we're yes. going to
1: cover um, a lot of what happened after Giant Baba passed away. There's a lot more to the story than what what happened when Baba was alive. So there's a lot to sure. unpack. So we'll get to that next week too. Um, if people want to talk to you or reach out to you on social media uh... for
0: me. On Twitter, Fumihiko Dayo, FumiHikodayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, F U M I H I K O D A Y O, On Twitter or Fumi Saito on Facebook. And when you friend me or send me the friend request, please send me some note like a DM, and I'll answer you right away. And you could send questions to that that the uh, Facebook messenger too. And I'm
1: at Justin M Nippercan I P P E R on Twitter. Um, reach out there. Reach out through email or if you're a subscriber on the Patreon, reach out there too. And don't forget if you're a Patreon subscriber, there is a interview I did with Dr. Jonathan Foy, who hmm? Fumi wrote the uh, forward to his new book, Gambaru, about yeah. a lot of what we talked about today when Scott Hall was in All Japan, working with Keiji Muto in 2001, right after New Japan, Japan Ring. Yeah, New Japan Ring and All Japan Ring. Um, right. So, uh, Fumi, take it away. So long from Tokyo. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.